Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Vegas Nation and Blue Wire Network. Vegas Nation sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. Time to get it started with First and Ten with Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation First and Ten, your weekly go-to uh, for Raider news and analysis. Coming off a big win uh, for the Raiders against the Denver Broncos. We talked about this last week, how imperative it was uh, for the Raiders to kind of get back on uh, the right track after you know, one of the more eventful weeks, to say the least, uh, in franchise history. Before I bring in my great co-host, Sam Gordon, uh, who works with me uh, with the Las Vegas Review-Journal, Vegas Nation, the app, VegasNation.com on the computer. Just want to say that today's show is sponsored by Station Casinos, STN Sports, and presented by Blue Wire and Tick Pick. Sam, um, you know, obviously there was a lot to uh, digest and process last week uh, with the Raiders, losing their head coach uh, amid a firestorm of controversy, all of it, um, you know, self-inflicted, uh, no doubt about it. Uh, the Raiders had to make the move that they move, made for obvious reasons, uh, but it left, you know, uh, a bunch of players without their leader. Uh, it was a two game losing streak. The Raiders needed to get back on track. They needed to, um, you know, kind of set aside what happened in time to focus on a huge game. And that's exactly what they did, Sam in their 34-24 win over the Denver Broncos in Denver in a game where I don't think the score was really reflective of how much control the Raiders had of that game. Welcome uh, to the show. And what were your initial thoughts uh, watching what I felt was one of the more efficient, complete performances of the Raiders in years, certainly uh, as long as I've been covering them for the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure, Benny. Uh, good talking to you again, as always. Uh, I was super impressed. I mean, how could you not be, right? This, I mean, like you said, in terms of the final score, Raiders were up 31-10 going in the fourth quarter. Let's be very clear about that. The fourth quarter was what it was. Uh, but like you said, this is a, a game where I thought Derek Carr was unbelievable. Uh, it just absolutely fantastic and total command of the offense. And I really liked how, how he was unleashed early in the game. There was no establish some of this power run and try. No, 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 no. You have Derek Carr. He came out your one, he came out just like he did the first three games of the year. You let him cut it loose a little bit, throw the ball, push the ball down the field. Uh, get, get the ball down to Henry Ruggs and the play, other playmakers on that offense and really open up that lead. And then defensively, Vinny, five sacks, five sacks, three interceptions, forced fumble. Um, it, it's just an incredible, like you said, incredible two-way performance. Uh, and, and contextually, given with where this team was at, like you said, uh, within the last couple of weeks with, with everything that was going on, um, really, really impressive. But this is a road game against a divisional opponent in a hostile environment, always a tough place to play. It's never easy to play in my mile high and the Raiders made it look really easy. So kind of give them with where they were at. Um, like you said, they're right back on track. Now there's a lot of season ahead of them and they're four and two uh, tied for the best record in the AFC West. All their goals are within reach. And it's because of, of the performance they put forth on Sunday. Super, super impressive and thorough in all the facets. Tied for uh, the second best record uh, in the AFC um, as a whole. And the team with the best record five and one Baltimore Ravens, the Raiders. <laughs> so um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, given what happened last week, also the two game losing streak, uh, that they, that they were on, uh, I've said this before, no shame in losing to the LA chargers. They're a good football team. 
in spite of what happened. Um, you know, they struggled against the Baltimore Ravens on Sunday going across country and just kind of the Ravens sort of having their number, but no, no shame uh, in losing to the Chargers. They're a good football team as well. Uh, I felt like the Chicago Bears lost when we talked about this uh, last week. I think there were things on the Raiders' mind. Um, you know, I, no matter how much they want to deny it or, or say no, it wasn't. Uh, I feel when guys are dropping balls, silly mistakes, sloppy play, it just felt like the Raiders' uh, minds were elsewhere, and understandably so, uh, given what had happened the previous over the previous 48 hours with their coach, John Gruden, and the first revelation uh, of a disparaging uh, email. Um, so, you know, not to excuse that loss, but there were maybe some extenuating circumstances going on. Um, and I think uh, now four and two uh, headed in the right direction, the beatable Philadelphia Eagles team coming to town uh, at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday, uh, which would, if they can, um, you know, uh, take care of business uh, against the Eagles. That puts them at five and two going into a bye week. That gives them some time to, to get healthier. Uh, they, you know, the Raiders depth has been tested um, and guys have actually responded to those challenges by coming in and providing uh, efficient play in reserve. Uh, but now maybe the Raiders can get back Richie Incognito. The target for him was November 7th. We'll see if that's still um, a possibility. Guys like Trayvon Mullen, um, you know, Javin White, uh, Damon Arnett, we'll see about him. So uh, guys are going to be able to come off that, that, that injured list here pretty soon. They're going to get some reinforcements, it looks like. Uh, but right now, and if the Raiders can take care of business on Sunday, um, this thing is back on track and, and there's a lot to play for the rest of the season. Thousand percent, thousand percent. The season, I mean, with the seventeen game schedule, just given where, where we're at, we're we're only in mid October, right? We're yeah. only in mid October. Like we know that things really don't pick up I- until November. So the fact that again, nobody wants kind of the controversy that the Raiders had, obviously not. But the fact that it happened, I guess, earlier in the year, or that this came to light early in the year, g- gave the chance to Raiders to regroup um, earlier than you know, relatively early in the season with with everything ahead of them and kind of figure out what this thing is going to look like with Rich Bisaccia what Greg Olson calling the plays and what Gus Bradley doing his thing on the defensive side of the ball. So to your point, um, was really impressed with the way guys have guys have stepped up. Uh, like you said, with the injuries uh, and whatnot, this has been a banged up team. I mean, and that's, that's part of the course. We understand that in the NFL, but the Raiders have, have been without key guys, you know, in and out of the lineup uh, all year. And again, to come away with a 34, uh, 24 victory was much more decisive than that um, in Denver and showcasing kind of what you can do in all three phases. I think bodes well um, before that Philadelphia Eagles game. You know, there's going to be a rabbit crowd at Allegiant Stadium that's going to be excited, uh, to, uh, excited to be back home, coming off of a win to see their club, like you said before, to buy. Uh, so the, the Raiders are all things considered. Again, it, after dealing with an unprecedented situation, uh, when you look at the history of the NFL, an unprecedented situation with their coach and having to change coaches this early in the season for those reasons. I'm super impressed with how they handled everything. It's a credit, I think, to a lot of guys, the leaders in the locker room, um, the interim coach, the coaching staff. Uh, Derek Carr, you know, you could, the list goes on and on and on. And uh, now it's about building on this and continuing to, to, to do what they did well on Sunday, trying to build forward and, and, uh, and stack wins. And, and, and you, like you said, beatable Philadelphia Eagles team. They've been far from impressive through their first six games of the season. So it's setting up nicely to get healthy and then to make a push in November. You know, as I was flying home uh, from Denver on, on Monday, I kind of reflected on everything that had happened mm-hmm. uh, over the previous, you know, week and a half or so. Um, and one thing that I kept, my, my mind kept going to uh, was Wednesday, uh, last Wednesday, when, you know, we, we got a chance to talk for the first time to Derek Carr and, and to Max Crosby and to um, Darren Waller. You know, the, the, the undisputed leaders of this team are part of the leadership group of this team. Um, 
And I just remember being pretty impressed, really impressed actually, uh, by hearing their eloquence in how they uh, sort of, you know, processed and verbalized everything that was going on. Um, you know, it was it was a tough situation. You know, here on 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 one hand, you know, you lose um, they 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 lost their leader in in John Gruden, somebody that they respected, somebody that they liked. Everybody in that locker room to some extent, um, and, and in, in most cases, to a large extent, is there because of John Gruden. You know, there's a connection there, a friendship uh, that goes beyond just, you know, the professional aspect of it. So A, to read um, and try to process some of the things that he said in those emails, um, that's tough, you know, when when, when a, a friend or a loved yeah, one no, so lets, lets you down uh, to that extent. Uh, but then also, um, losing his voice, losing his leadership. Um, that's a lot to process. And hearing, I remember um, kind of leaving uh, the interview room after we, we we finished up our work thinking, I don't think, I felt like I, I didn't, if the Raiders were going to lose, they were going to lose because they weren't a better team. And it wasn't going to be going to be because of what happened. I, I, I think the Raiders were not, I felt like based on what I was hearing uh, and not just you know, from on that day, but just kind of behind the scenes, some of the guys that I was texting with, um, it just felt like if they lose this year, if the season goes south, it's going to be because they're not a good football team, not because of this. Um, and that's not always the case. Sometimes teams aren't mentally tough enough to deal with adversity. I didn't get the sense that that was going to happen. And at least for one week, it certainly didn't. But I, I went back to Wednesday going, and I remember thinking to myself, I think the Raiders are going to be in good shape mentally because they've got the right type of stuff in that locker room to deal with this. Well, it feels like when he, last year when we, were, when we were doing our podcast and covering the team, one of the things we, we would go back to with they talked about was young football team, right? It was young, and it was. And now that's not so much the case, right? There's still, of course, a lot of young players in critical roles, but there are a lot of veterans now in this locker room too, guys that have been through things, that have been through ups and downs, that have, that have been steeled by their experiences at the NFL level. You take a look at a guy like Derek Carr, think about all he's been through during his time with the Raiders. You think about the guys that they've added, Casey Hayward, Denzel Perryman, you know, veterans that have been through things in the NFL. You need Nagakwe, he's been through some things, been to an AFC championship, been on bad teams, been traded, dealt with adversity, Max Crosby, Darren Waller, the, the adversity those guys have been through on and off the football field during their careers. It's There's definitely a more kind of mature feel to that locker room, and, and that's the, the kind of the sense we've been getting. I Certainly, I've been getting – throughout the course of, of training camp and throughout the course of the first five, six weeks of the season. And I didn't, it, it just felt, it just has a distinctly different feel to it this year than it did last year. And, and not only are those veteran players, you know, being impact players on the football field, but, but I'd be remiss to, to, to not assume or, or to believe that they're, they're, they're just as valuable in the locker room, given their experience. So uh, it's a credit to those guys. It's a credit to the, the, the team as a whole. And, and uh, to, to be able to come out and put together a performance like that in the circumstances, um, like you said, it's it's a credit to to a number of people and just the mental toughness of this team. Guys have been tested in this franchise for a long, long time. And uh, to come out and pass the test in flying colors and to, to be able to put that week behind them in a way that they did um, is super impressive. And, and like you said, now it's about sustaining. Is this just a one-week thing? Is this just an aberration? You get up for one week to, to play for Rich Versace and to try and put this thing behind you? Or can you can you string games together? That's what we're going to find out. Uh, but but so far, from what we've seen, just very, very impressive in, in a number of ways. I, I, I probably sound like I'm going on and on, but uh, I didn't expect 31-10 through three quarters. I, I really didn't. Not to that degree. Not that kind of beatdown they put on a very solid Denver team. I'm not saying Denver's a Super Bowl contender by any means. We're not going there. 
But Denver's improved. I mean, they, they looked at least so far through the first five games, they looked to be a much better team. That offense is much better. And the Raiders made that offense look relatively pedestrian while having one of their best offensive games uh, of the year. So um, it's a mature football team now, a lot of leadership, a lot of veterans, and those guys have been super valuable. I don't know if you can quantify their value given the situation the Raiders have been in uh, the last couple of weeks. And now it's that time of the podcast. We are joined by Chuck Esposito, director of race and sports for Station Casinos. Chuck joins us every week to talk about the Raiders, the Vegas betting landscape, and all things sports. Chuck, how you doing? We were we were joking uh, joking a little bit off air that uh, it was a good week, uh, good week for the betters. Uh, how are you doing uh, in wake <laughs> of that? <laughs> I, I survived, Sam. It was uh, it definitely was uh, the the best Sunday of the season for uh, for the guests and. Uh, maybe the best one that I can remember in a long time. There was some big smiles out there. There was some long lines cashing. There was more five, six, seven, eight team parlays cashed mm. than I can ever remember. But hey, that's that's all part of it. And uh, you know, it's uh, we move on to another weekend. Although the Titan game last night did help a little bit. Um, we we really were Titan fans, so I was kind of chanting Titan up a lot last night. So uh, it was happy with that outcome. But overall, a really good weekend for the guests. Absolutely, absolutely. I imagine part of that. Uh, Chuck has to be the Raider victory, right? 34-24 goes in, going into Denver after a tumultuous week uh, on the road as an underdog. What do you make of the Raiders' victory? And you think this kind of play, given everything that's going on, is there things that you saw that that are sustainable moving forward? I was impressed with their win, Sam. Yep. I, I think that everything that was going on for them to go in there and play that way was really impressive. They're four and two. They're tied for first place in their division. Chargers came back down to earth a little bit. I think it was a huge win. They've got a very winnable game um, this Sunday against Philadelphia. And I think they still have to take care of business at home. They let one get away against the Bears or they'd be in first place in their division right now. Um, So I think they need to take care of business at home. Um, But overall, I was really impressed. It's still early in the whole process with the coaching change. but very impressed with all facets of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Another another before we before we get into next week, a little bit, a couple other games I want to touch on. Baltimore, right? Pounds. uh, the Chargers, 34-6, decisive, decisive victory. Um, but now we come to find out that they lose left tackle Ronnie Stanley. He's out for the season. I want to ask you, Chuck, obviously we know the quarterback is the most valuable position, right? But when a when a left tackle goes out, especially one of Stanley's caliber, how much movement do you typically see or how much do you value do you factor in when you have a marquee player at a secondary position like left tackle? What kind of – how many points – is, is, is somebody like Ronnie, Ronnie Stanley worth and how much does his loss affect a, a line moving forward? It should probably be worth more than it is, Sam, but you're really not going to see the needle moved with a secondary guy, with a, sure. you know, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. Very few, even defensively, if it's a Khalil Mack, if it's a Aaron Donald, it just doesn't move the needle enough. Sure. Um, only time will tell. I mean, there's still a running team first, although Jackson has played well. They currently sit at, with the best record in the AFC. And, and you know, a few weeks ago, they, they didn't look that good. But right now, they're atop the AFC, the Ravens. Are there any trends that, that that you've noticed or anything that jumps out to you so far now that we're a third through the season at this point? Yeah, I guess a little bit. I mean, the Cowboys' success. I mean, they're, they're the only team in the league that's 6-0 and against the number. Um, so, I mean, they've been super impressive. The betters continue to back them. Um, and then I guess, too, that you still see a lot of chief action every week, although they're they're three and three have only covered four times the last 17 weeks. Um, but as we kind of touched on earlier with those big point spreads, you look at teams like the Lions and the Texans, who both figure to be drafting one, two, um, just thinking about that the lines are so big for those games so early in the season that usually you see that after kind of the midway point, you start to see that gap. 
it seems like we're seeing it much earlier this this year. And not only are the betters backing the favorites or the good teams, they're starting to fade the bad teams much, much earlier this year than what I've seen in the past. Chiefs going into the Titans. Uh, that, that is a as a Titans after a big win over Baltimore, a home dog, uh, the highest total right of any game this week. What do you expect from that matchup? And, and, and what have you seen so far um, from Tennessee? At this point in the season. Well, I mean, to be honest, I'm kind of surprised the number is as high as it is. I mean, we kind of talked about it, went back and forth. This is a team that just beat the Bills, who were looked at as the best team in football. I thought the Bills' defense coming into that game is better than the Chiefs' defense. Tennessee's at home again. The Chiefs haven't shown that they can stop the run. And if you've got another week of practice where Brown and Jones can get healthy, I think you'll see some Titan play here. The Chiefs, to me, still turn the ball over way too much. And defensively, is still their Achilles' heel. I think you'll see some Titans play and the Titans happen to win this game and they have back-to-back wins over those two teams. I think you have to put them in the mix as one of the best teams in the AFC. I love Mike Grable. I love, you know, just the, the, the different stuff that he tries to do. The team loves playing for him. Now, Tannehill has had a little bit of a down year, but Hey, if Derrick Henry gets rolling like he is right now, he's tough to stop. I think there's tremendous value on the Titans. Uh, getting points in this game against the Chiefs. Yeah, you talk about Derrick Henry and, and the Titans, Chuck. It's the only – in the passing era, they're kind of the only team that employ that old-school approach, and it's been really effective for them the last couple of years. Not, another game I want to get to, uh, the 4-2 and two Cincinnati Bengals. That's right. The 4-2 and two Cincinnati Bengals going into Baltimore, like we talked about Baltimore, the best record in the AFC. Baltimore, a six-point favorite. What about Cincinnati? How shocking is this, that they're pretty good? I don't think it's shocking. I mean, you know, you, you looked at what they had on offense with, with Mixon and, and Boyd and Higgins, and then you were able to pick up Jamar Chase, who I think he's the, you can make a case, maybe the offensive rookie of the year right now. Um, this is a huge game for them at four and two. This is kind of one of those games to see what is the gap between us and Baltimore. Um, Cleveland's come back down to earth the last couple of weeks. Cincinnati's in that mix right now for the division. Wild card. Really like um, the, the quarterback play of Joe Burrow. This number has come down a little bit, though. We've seen a drop of a half point to a point industry-wide. I think one of the impressive things about this game is that, hey, Baltimore's in the mix of a, of a four-game home streak, a homestand, which is kind of uncharacteristic. Let's see how Cincinnati can play here. I think it's a huge game for the Bengals just to see how good they are um, against one of the top-notch teams, not only in the conference, but, of course, in their own division. Everything starts Thursday with two, three, and three teams, the Broncos and the Browns, both in need of a win. You don't want to fall too back, too far back in that wild card race. It's, it looks like it's going to be crowded. Cleveland is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Baker Mayfield dealing with injuries. Chuck, how important is this game for both these teams, and what kind of action have you seen so far uh, as of Tuesday morning? Not a whole lot of movement, Sam, I think, because of the uncertainty with Cleveland. I mean, not knowing for sure if they're going to get Chubb back, the injuries at wide receiver, um, the, the health of Baker Mayfield. Denver got off to that hot start, but they had beaten lower-end teams. Uh, they haven't played well the last three weeks. You look at that division now, and they're looking up at the Raiders and Chargers. Chiefs are three and three. Huge game for Denver. I think Fangio's seat is awfully hot right now. And in Cleveland, I mean, they had that huge lead against the Chargers and let it get away. I think had they won that game, I think everything's a little bit different for them. But they've been a huge disappointment the last two weeks. So I think it's a huge game for both these two teams. Kind of a low total, but a lot depends on the health of Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb, I think, for Cleveland. I think, again, I want to go back to the Raiders. Again, really impressed with, with what they did last week. And I, I thought they would kind of circle the wagons. I think we talked about that a little bit last week, that this was a bounce-back opportunity for them and to kind of get rid of the distraction. It's gone. Let's go out there and play football. 
But now you're a full two weeks removed and they take the field against the Eagles. Didn't play well in their last game at home against Chicago. I think this is kind of a must win for the Raiders uh, to win this game. I think actually bigger than the game last week. I think how they perform as a, as a small favorite against the Eagles on Sunday. Absolutely, Chuck. Five and two going into the bye will be absolutely huge. Regardless of what happens, we will be back next week to break it all down. Chuck, as always, we appreciate your insights and your expertise. Talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Sam. Enjoy the games this week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations. Raiders football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Raiders tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. We know Raider Nation is psyched about the games taking place at Allegiant Stadium this year and on the road. Raider Nation is everywhere, so TickPick has you covered. Make sure to to check it out, visit TickPick.com slash VegasNation and use the promo code VegasNation to save $10 on your first order of Raiders tickets. You know, it's something that we've been talking about too, uh, you know, uh, Sam, uh, going all the way back to OTAs and talking to guys and watching practices and watching how guys are carrying themselves. Um, you know, uh, I remember um, even after uh uh, OTAs wrapped up. I texted Alec uh, Ingold, you know, who's also one of their leaders uh, on the football team, the captain uh, of the special teams. Um, and I just remember saying, "Wow, you know, you guys looked, you know, I was just just telling them you, you look different out there, you know, uh, in OTAs." And you know, and uh, you know, he, he responded, "Yeah, it kind of feels different, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera." And then I remember saying, "Hey, enjoy the rest of your off season. Um, you know, uh, see you in training camp." Um, you know, uh, enjoy a break or something along those lines. And, and, and Engel's response was, there's no break. Yeah. We're going to work as hard as we worked the next 40 days as we worked the previous 40 days. I was like, holy cow. You know, it just was like, wow, you know, these guys are serious about this, you know. And um, and when we talked about it, uh, Sam, I, you know, it wasn't, I, I, you know, we were just obviously reporting what we were seeing. If we were seeing it the opposite, I think obviously we would have been reporting that as well. Like, uh you know, they're, they're, there's, you know, messing around out there, a lot of mistakes in practice. It feels like it's kind of rudderless, you know, they're not saying the right things. We would have absolutely pointed that out. Uh, but what we were seeing, we were reporting and I feel like, um, it's important. Like that's not the things that we were seeing and the things that we were pointing out. Um, it's not insignificant. And the reason I say that is because there's going to come a time and during the course of the year, whatever the case might be, that adversity is going to set in and the character that we kind of saw and were, um, you know, pointing out, that's going to be what a team, any team uh, is going to have to rely on in those type of times. Now, granted, it was unprecedented what happened uh, this past week. Uh, never seen a situation like that unfold um, in, in, in the middle of a season, the, the controversy, the, you know, what you saw in those emails, having, you know, then having to, you know, report, report to practice and carry on. Um, you know, they weren't going to postpone any games for the Raiders or yep. they weren't going to give them time to get it all sorted out. They had to go play. But that's when that type of stuff that we were talking about emerges and becomes sort of 
what gets you through. And I think that that's exactly what happened. And so it's not insignificant. You know, I know sometimes fans and, and readers and you see it on Twitter, they'll kind of roll their eyes about about pointing that type of stuff out, but it really is important. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's team sports. I mean, you got so many different personalities and so many different guys from so many different places in the locker room and you're asking guys to come together. I mean, football is the ultimate team game, right? When I played in high school, that was one of the messages our coaches preached. It's the ultimate team game. Everybody has to do their job. It sounds so cliche, but it's very, very unique in that sense and, and it, in that regard because of the unique nature of football and how many moving parts there are and how guys have to work in unison in order to get the, the outcomes they desire. Leadership, intangibles, character, sacrifice, discipline, selflessness, all these things that you can't necessarily quantify statistically, they, they matter. Right. I understand the advent of analytics and the use of statisticals and all that. Like, and it's great. I think it's better. The game is better for it. We've seen the evolution in play. We see more innovative play call and we see all those things. But at the end of the day, like these players aren't robots. They're people with emotions that don't just automatically perform a certain way every time out. And as I think the, the Chicago Bears game is a great example of that. And obviously the Raiders aren't the only team that's dealt with distractions. You see it all the time in all different sports. So to have, kind of the, the mental fortitude and the leadership and the focus for, and the leader, the, I said leadership already, but the number of players that, that have those kind of roles and are able to keep this thing together, uh, it's huge. And it's something you can't, you can't necessarily quantify or can't necessarily explain or always point to, but, but it matters in, in team sports. It just does. And especially football, not that it doesn't matter in, in, in the other team sports as well, but football is so unique because there's so many players, there's so many different personalities and the, and, the, and the jobs and the roles are so individualistic and stuff like that. And, but but at the same time, they're for the greater good. And um, it, for, for the Raiders to to showcase that uh, throughout the course of the season, especially this past week, I think where the, you know, metaphorically where it comes to fruition uh, is huge. It's, it's a, it's a reflection on, on the maturity, the metal of the football team so far. And, uh, and I'm, I can't wait to see how they, how they springboard forward, how this, how this win, how this, these, these last, you know, 10 days and the rallying the Raiders have been able to do around that. Uh, what, what happens next? And um, I think Raiders fans have to be optimistic from what they've seen. They're four and two, a decisive win um, on the road, and you got the whole season uh, in front of you. So they're all things considered. Again, we have to you know, use context here. All things considered, four and two is not a bad place to be. But you said something that was really insightful, and that's the sustainability factor uh, of this. And you know, I got a text not long after the game from somebody, um, you know, let's just say associated with the team. <laughs> um, and it was it basically the gist of, um, you know, this team has to learn how now to handle success just as much as they do adversity. It's something that the Raiders these last few years really haven't been able to, haven't shown that they've been able to do, uh, handling success. And, um, you know, we, we saw the last couple of years where, um, you know, they, they, they hit a skid after uh, good starts and it sabotaged their playoff hopes the last two seasons. This year, they started 3-0. Uh, you know, then they lose two games, um, you know, back-to-back -back games for various differing reasons, but nevertheless, those are, those ended up being losses. Now they're at four and two, they're feeling pretty good about themselves uh, and, and handling that aspect of it um, becomes important. And, and Sam, um, you know, we, we've talked about the character of this team yep. and how it helped them through the adversity. I got to feel, and I got to believe, especially as battle tested now, as, as a lot of these guys are, in terms of the pitfalls that they've fallen into these last couple of years, um, that they're going to be in a pretty decent place to handle that as well. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's, I mean, it's, it's part of the learning and growing process. And like you said, you start off three, you know, you, you slide, you, you lose a couple of games. Now 
now is an opportunity. You have an opportunity to go to five and two going into the bye. You're at home against a beatable Philadelphia Eagles team that struggled uh, with their quarterback situation, that struggled offensively, that's that struggled that struggled on both sides of the ball, frankly. And as uh, you know, has a rookie head coach still kind of trying to find his way. So here's a here's a prime opportunity. And it's funny, Vinny, you mentioned handling success. Um, after after the three and zero start, I did a my story for our Vegas Nation section was about just exactly about that handling success and kind of what comes after that. And I spoke with had the opportunity to speak with Rich Cannon. Of course, 2002 NFL MVP who guided the Raiders to Super Bowl, now an analyst for SiriusXM. And the, one of the first things he said was, I, when I asked about the 3 0 start, he said the hardest thing uh, in professional football is handling success. It's the hardest thing to do because then the expectations change, then the, the attention changes, all these things. There's so many moving parts uh, that, it, that it becomes really hard. So uh, we're going to see now, again, if the Raiders can handle that better than they did coming out of the gates of 3 0. Can they, can they build on this with a back with another, uh, with another victory? Uh, and move to five and two, get healthy with the bye, and then and then move forward towards the second half of the season. Um, that's what we're going to find out. But but based on what we saw last week, if you can have you know seventy five percent of the performance they had against Denver, I mean it really felt like they were fighting on all cylinders. That that I think that kind of effort w- would get it done. Obviously, you want to play as well as you possibly can, but you get the point I'm trying to make. Um, is that that's how well they played, and if you can come close to that. Um, they should they should be in good shape. Now that's the challenge. Can they do that? Will they? I have no idea. We're going to find out Sunday. But they put themselves in position to 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 to, to be five. It, it, it sounds so funny saying this to be five and two, given everything that's happened right there in contention in the AFC. Dare I say, like I, we're going to see? There's a lot of football left, but but it's it's they're still right there. The, the, their goals are still attainable. They're still right there, and they have the players and the playmakers on both sides of the ball. I feel like to to sustain it, they just have to go out there and do it. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to wrap it up here in a second, but. Um... Look, it's it's five games into the season, and some things are starting to stand out to me that yep. you can't you can't just excuse away as a one game type of situation. Um, when you look at that defense, there's there's competent to above competent, really good football players on that side of the ball that are showing up on a week to week basis, and and even when guys get hurt, um, like Jonathan Hankins didn't play, um, you know, on, on Sunday, um, so they needed a, a replacement player. On the defensive line, Damian Square comes in and does a pretty darn good job. Um, so they're even even some of their depth now is starting to uh, express itself. But you look at Casey Hayward, who's playing as good as any cornerback in the NFL. You look at Max Crosby, who let me just throw this out out, out at you: five sacks, eleven quarterback hits, which is first in the NFL. Twenty-five hurries, first in the NFL. Forty-three total pressures, first in the NFL. A ninety-one point seven PFF pass uh, rush grade, first in the NFL. Uh, a twenty-seven point six percent pass rush win rate is first in the NFL. Mm. He's playing like a defensive MVP. Period. Exclamation point. Obviously, he has to keep that up, but no reason to think he won't because he's done it now for five straight weeks. He's been putting together one hell of a football season. Then you talk about guys like uh, Denzel Perryman, who's just playing lights out football. Corey Littleton. Um, has been a tackling machine this year. Trayvon Morig continues to play well, and he's just, every week he gets better, it seems, uh, in all phases uh, of the game. Jonathan Abram is playing adequate football. Um, So you look at that defense and you're like, I don't see any reason why they can't continue to play like that, short of injuries or, or, you know, uh, and that type of thing. Now, you go over the offensive side of the ball, Henry Waller has developed into basically what the Raiders wanted him to be. Uh, coming into this year. Uh, Brian Edwards is a good wide receiver and a, a, a good target, a viable target. Hunter Renfro, that goes without saying. Darren Waller, that goes without saying. The offensive line got much better this week. It took a big step forward. 
uh, saw the run game, um, you know, uh, the effect that it had on the positive effect it had on the run game. You start looking at this team and it's just, you know, it's a good football team. I don't think there's any um, getting around that. That's a good football team out there. Now it's going to take, you know, staying away from injuries, obviously, but also that, like you said, the mental fortitude of dealing with success and all that comes with it um, and handling it the right way and handling their business. But when you look at this team, Sam, it's a good football team is my bottom line. Yeah, for sure. Vinny, for sure. Vinny, like you said, um, so this, uh, Casey Hayward, SPFF grade among corners, right? So far, uh, same with, same with Max Crosby. He's like you said, playing like a first team all pro. I, I wrote about this. You know, I checked in with Rich Passaccia on Monday when you guys were coming back. And I wrote about the Raiders defensive line and their pass rush as a whole already 16 sacks for the Raiders defensive line. That's more than 75% or, you know, pretty much 75% of what they had in all of 2020, right? They, they allowed 29.9 points per game last year, Vinny. Through six games, they haven't allowed more than 28 in a single game. So teams were averaging 30. Nobody's even scored 30 against them this year so far. Henry Ruggs on pace for 1,100 yards, 1,100-yard season, or more than that, actually. Ryan Edwards on pace for 800 yards. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a totally different roster um, than it was last year. The young guys are growing up. The veterans are doing what you expected the veterans to do. And, and Derek Carr continues to play good football. I mean, he's been lights out, uh, in, in certainly in all four of the victories. I mean, been fantastic. And that's working with a makeshift offensive line so far, a young offensive line that's still learning its way where you have young players trying to develop and without any kind of running game, right? The, the, the running game, it was you scored two rushing touchdowns on Sunday, but you're still only averaging 3.7 yards a pop. We're gonna, that offensive line is going to have to continue to develop and get healthy in order for, for that running game to really take off or to really be you know league average. Um, forget about taking off, get, getting up to league average. There's, there's still a ways to go. So given what he's had to deal with from the quarterback position, the adversity he's had to deal with, not to mention losing your play caller and somebody, like you said, like we've belabored the last two weeks, somebody he's really trusted. He's been fantastic, too, and has played elite football for much of the season. So the pieces are in place. I mean, the pieces are definitely uh, in place for this team to, to make a, a playoff push, to continue to playoff push, to stay afloat in the AFC. And, and it, going into the season, Vinny, big picture, like the AFC has been really good for a number of years. But the, the, some of the teams we thought were going to be pretty good have struggled. Kansas City, Cleveland, they're not, they're not the 12-5, and 13-4 type teams, at least not yet. They haven't shown to be. Yet so far, obviously a lot of season left. So I say that, I, I say that to, to mention that there's a real opportunity here to make a legitimate playoff push. That was the expectation. That's what Mike Mayock said before the season. And for me, that doesn't seem to have changed just because you lose your coach. With the players they have in place, with the coaching you have in place, with Gus Bradley, the way he's revamped that defense, with Derek Carr leading a much improved offense with a complement of skill players now. It's not just Darren Waller. It's four or five guys now that can beat you at any given time. And um, Kenyon, Kenyon Drake was excellent, finally getting him involved in the past in the running game, doing his thing on Sunday as well. Maybe he emerges. So this is a much more complete football team on both sides. Obviously, got to show up, continue showing up that offensive line, get healthy, get some improvement there. And uh, if they do that, this should be a team that, that competes for that's in the playoff mix throughout the course of the season. I, I haven't waited. Yep, absolutely. And um, I thought it was a good operation from the coaching standpoint as well. Um, all three phases really showed up. Uh, Rich, Rich Passaccia. Obviously, the head coach, kind of the CEO type guy, but, you know, uh, hats off to his special teams unit. Uh, A.J. Cole had a great game. The, the kickoff coverage uh, was excellent. Um, you know, so a, a missed field goal by Daniel Carlson. But aside from that, it was it was a, a really efficient day for that side of the ball. Uh, and then defensively, um, we, we've talked about what they've been able to do. The four turnovers, the five sacks, three by Max Crosby. 
Uh, and then offensively, it was just a very crisp, efficient game. And I felt like, you know, we saw some, uh, some, some of the subtle differences that Greg Olson now brings as a play caller, as opposed to John Gruden, uh, and especially working in conjunction uh, with Derek Carr, who they have a long history together. And I feel like you feel, uh, at least in one game, you feel the chemistry that those two have. Uh, so a lot to like about what we saw uh, on Sunday by the Raiders. Now, as Sam said, it's about sustainability, and that starts on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, the Raiders will try to go to their bye week uh, with a win and a 5-2 and two record. Um, but, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, we got a uh, – it's a continual prove-it type of a league, uh, and, and the next chat, the, the next test for the Raiders uh, is, is coming pretty quick. Uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles team that I think the Raiders are better than and should be able to beat. And we'll see if they handle their business uh, correctly. Uh, but whatever happens, uh, we'll be here next week to talk about it. Uh, for Sam Gordon, my great uh, teammate with the Las Vegas Review Journal, to all our great uh, colleagues here uh, at the Review Journal, remember, um, you can download our app, Vegas Nation, or just go to VegasNation.com. we got you covered on podcasts, uh, written material, photo essays, podcasts um we got uh, videos uh we've got you covered from you know one goal line to the next uh in raiders coverage uh we're proud to do it we're happy to do it we appreciate all the support uh, you guys are why we do this uh and we thank you every day uh until next week we will uh see you then sam have a great day oh by the way first we gotta thank larry here uh, our, our great producer i know he's going through it man with those miami dolphins but uh we'll talk about that uh off, off air <laughs> at some point uh Everybody, uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. Download and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up at any of our convenient locations.